Like treason news, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by, I'm not even going to do it this time, you guys. No one. It's just me. Mostly because Mama's got a busy morning and I did not have time to schedule a co-host. So you got me today. Suck it. Uh, yeah, weirdly, you all seem to like when I fly solo on the show, you weirdos, you sick freaks. Just kidding. No judgment. Judgment-free zone. Uh, if you're new to the show, hello. I am your host, Allison Kilkenny. I am on the social medias. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, you know it. All over the place. Too many places. Spread too thin, some might say. Um, but those people are cowards. So if you are new to the show, as I said, here's how it works. Uh, We talk a little bit about pop culture. If that's not your thing, skip ahead to the next music cue. That's where all the bad news is, you weirdo. I'm going to judge you again, even though I just said it was a judgment-free zone. If you're like, I don't like joy, I don't like hearing about what makes you happy, just give me the bad news. Inject it into my veins. Skip ahead to the next music cue. That is your bad news section. And then maybe because you sound like a disturbed individual, you don't want to hear the good news either. So in which case you have condensed this hour long podcast into an efficient 20 minutes for you, Uh, because that's how long each segment is for you math heads out there. An hour divided into thirds is 20 minutes for one second. I was like, did I do that math wrong? And have I been doing that math wrong for over a year? Um, that's just how my brain works. So since we're in the pop culture section, as always, if you have pop culture recommendations, send them into us, uh, email lighttreasonnews at gmail.com. I second guess that literally every time I say it because I don't promote it a lot on the show because what I encourage you to do is to tweet us, hashtag lighttreasonpod. We are lighttreasonpod on Twitter. You can follow us there. Uh, and I check that much more regularly than the email, to be honest with you. I very rarely check the email. Also, if you follow me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, and are a $5 a month member or higher, uh, please, please feel free to send in questions there as well. I see those because I get a little email alert anytime you guys comment. Um... So yeah, let's just get into it. I was going to do more announcements, but gross, let's not do that. I'll just remind you guys that we're a 100% listener-supported show. That's why you never hear commercials or anything of the like on this show. We're supported by you. So if you like the show, if you want to keep it going, I don't know, consider becoming a member. Is that crazy? Is that a crazy ask? I don't know. Or keep listening for free. (laughs) Truly. You know, so um, I wanted to talk about the Emmys because the fucking Emmys just happened and there were some surprises, some good, some bad. And um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about it. I mean, how great to watch Fleabag uh, clean up. If you haven't seen Fleabag, I know I recommended Fleabag emphatically on this show, but I still feel like I didn't recommend it as much as I should have. Because I binge watched it in two days. Because it's that good. But just to reiterate, Fleabag is 
a miracle of a show in the sense that the first season is great. It's genius. And then somehow the second season's even better, which almost never happens. And then it ends, which, God, I wish more shows would do that because it just ends on such an emotionally satisfying note. I was just in tears at the end. I didn't want it to end, but I was grateful it was ending. You know how I feel about Fleabag only being two seasons? It's the way I feel about BoJack Horseman announcing that this next upcoming season will be the last season of BoJack. I'm very sad. It's bittersweet because BoJack is a perfect show, I think. I love it dearly. But also, I want to see it go out on a high note. I don't want to see the decline of BoJack Horseman. Can you imagine a season seven of Fleabag? Where we're all like, oh, they're doing another one. Yeah, now she has amnesia. Like, let artists be artists. And if they decide, I only want to do two seasons because I have two seasons worth of ideas. That's great. Not everything has to be six seasons. Not everything has to get into syndication. Although I understand the motivation for that being financial stability for the actors and the writers because then they can live off that forever. Uh, like the the writers of Friends, you know, never have to work again. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know what their original contracts look like. But that was a big motivation for them to get into syndication because uh, Friends will play until the earth explodes, guys. Uh, we'll all be dead and somewhere there will be a TV still playing Friends reruns with Joey and Chandler um, yelling homophobic jokes at each other. That show does not hold up. Revisit it. But anyways, uh, Fleabag cleaned up. Uh, Billy Porter, well-deserved. Jodie Comer, come on, Villanella. Come on, are you watching Killing Eve? If not, why? Do you not like good things? Killing Eve is great. You got Sandra Oh. You got Jodie Comer. Like, what more do you want? You sicko. Sorry, I don't know why I'm being so mean to the pretend person I've created in my head. I apologize to the pretend person. Um, Michelle Williams, one for Fosse Verdon, and used the moment to champion equal pay for women, um, uh, particularly women of color, which was great. Alex Bornstein, uh, one for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel again. Uh, I have to say, Amazon does a great job <laughs> advocating for their own shows. Because here's the thing. Um, Fleabag, obviously, genius, um, deserved it. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a good show, but I don't think it's at the level of the praise it's been earning. And I think a lot of that has to do with Amazon being really good at getting out there and, you know, with billions of dollars basically being like, this show is amazing. Say the show is amazing. Say the show is amazing. Say the show is amazing until finally people are like, I think it's amazing. I don't. I don't know. I've been hearing that everywhere. Um, And that's not to say it's not good. It's good. Although I truthfully, I stopped watching after the first season. But what I've heard from people who kept watching it is it kind of is on the decline at this moment. But Alex Bornstein is a genius and it's well-deserved and she's been around forever and, you know, well-deserved. But anyway, so she told this story about... um, the fact that she is uh, the ancestor of immigrants um, 
who Jewish immigrants who escaped uh, the Nazis and one of her ancestor, I think her grandmother was in line to be executed and asked the Nazi guard, what happens if I get out of line or what happens if I step out of line? And he said, well, I don't have the heart to shoot you, but someone else will. And she stepped out of line and miracle of miracles she wasn't executed. Um, but Alex ended her speech by saying, step out of line, ladies, step out of line, which I love. We love Alex. Um, <laughs> mainly, oh yeah, Ben Wishaw won for a very English scandal. We love a Ben Wishaw. Uh, when they see us as uh, uh, Jarrell Jerome won and gave a very moving speech, a very authentic speech, because I feel like as, as good as a lot of these speeches are, they are very uh, obviously well rehearsed because people get very nervous when they win these things and they, they don't want to forget names and, and studios to thank. And Jarrell's speech was just wonderful because you can tell he obviously was just speaking from the heart and it was really moving. Um, so it was great to see him win. And also if you haven't seen When They See Us, do watch that because they were just showing the clips, like very quick clips during the Emmys. And I was still crying because <laughs> I was like remembering everything that happens in that series. Um, so can we talk about Ozark? <laughs> Cause I don't understand what's happening. Oh, before I do that, I wanted to shout out Thomas Lennon. Some people were very mean to Thomas Lennon because he was put in this really difficult position where Fox didn't want to have a host of the Emmys, which I get. Although it's very weird because I feel like, I don't know, I'm of two minds because I get why people don't want a host. Because it's just, it's so overhyped anytime they do announce a host of an award show. It makes a ceremony that much longer. But then without a host, it's these weird disjointed sections of awards and it's very chaotic. I don't know. I go back and forth. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I'm like, this is a mess. But I guess because they didn't have a host, they wanted some sort of, I don't know, thread to hold the show together. So they had Thomas Lennon doing color commentary off camera. It's just his voice. And but I thought he was very funny and I thought he did the best he could given the very weird circumstances. And also he follows me on Twitter now. No big deal. So we're basically best friends is what I'm saying. So Ozark. Oh, boy. I mean, was anyone more surprised they won than Jason Bateman? Uh, I don't think so. And again, I think it was just an example of a show having the right promotion behind it. Because apparently, I don't live in L.A., but what I've heard from my friends who live in L.A. is that there are like Ozark billboards and posters everywhere, especially during the build-up to the Emmys. So there was this big push to promote it right before the ceremonies and it clearly paid off because uh <laughs> Jason Bateman won for directing and was shocked absolutely shocked as was everyone I mean keep in mind was up against shows like Game of Thrones so no one was more surprised than Jason Bateman but he is one of these guys he's been around forever a lot of people respect him and like him um you know he's rubbed elbows with the right people I guess 
I watched Ozark the first season. It is what it is. I don't know what happened in that show, but maybe it got really good all of a sudden. (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was boring. But you know what? Different strokes for different folks. Maybe it just wasn't for me. And maybe it got really good. I don't know. Do you watch Ozark? Do you like it? Hashtag light trees and pod. What is happening? Please explain to me what is happening. Um, so, oh yeah, I also wanted to talk about Joy of Joys. Guys, the two corporations that rule over us all got together and decided we can have more Spider-Man. Sony and Disney are back together. They put aside their their differences and said, hey, let's share custody of our little baby boy Spider-Man. Tom Holland is okay. And, um... Yeah, there's going to be more episodes of Spider-Man, which, listen, I corporations rule us all. That is not a good thing. But if there is one good thing that comes out of it, it's more Spider-Man. <laughs> is that safe to say? Am I going to get angry tweets? Probably. I don't care. Uh, so the new film even has a release date, July 16th, 2021. Uh, so we can go watch it and... Um, help soothe ourselves when our overlord Trump is still in the White House. Just kidding, kind of. Uh, Also, oh no, I talked about that. Is that it? No, I had to have other recommendations. Let's see. Oh yeah, I do. I know I say it every week, but I'm going to keep saying it every week until somebody fucking tweets me and says they like it too. Succession is so good, you guys. (laughs) And I don't understand this. Literally every time I tweet about Succession, I get the same tweet from another white guy. It's always a white guy. I don't know why. Who's like, I don't like any of the characters. Am I supposed to like these characters? And it's like, no, you dummy. They're bad people. I don't understand people who can only watch shows or I guess read books or watch movies with characters who they like. Because that sounds very boring to me. And like not intellectually stimulating because part of the I don't want to say challenge because that doesn't sound fun (laughs) of watching succession is you do start to get lured into this world of vast wealth and luxurious vacations and then you have to be like "Wait, wait, wait 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 these people are evil or they'll be very funny and charming in a scene. You're like, oh, do I kind of like you? And then they flip a switch where it's like, oh, no, you're a monster. That, I think, is part of the appeal of the show. That roller coaster of emotions, it makes you feel so much. And isn't that what art is supposed to do? I don't know. I, I think that's one of the strangest critiques. It's like the people who willed themselves to believe that Walter White was a good person because they feel like, the protagonist has to be good. And it's like, no, no, that's the whole reason we have a term anti-hero. Walter White was a horrible human being. And I think Vince Gilligan knew that and the writers knew that and they showed it very clearly, especially in that last season. There are some horrific scenes with him just mentally destroying people in his life. And you're not supposed to like Walter White. And if you do, I'm a little worried about you. And then finally, this is neither a recommendation nor an anti-rec because I haven't seen enough episodes, but I just want to let you guys know what's up with me and what I'm doing. I'm watching American Horror Story, Apocalypse. 
because it is uh it's come to Netflix and the only way I can watch anything to do with Ryan Murphy is I have to binge watch it very quickly or I lose interest completely. Um I have not seen I truly don't remember what it's called so I'm just going to call it Election because it looks it's it is Election by Ryan Murphy. Uh, I have seen some people <laughs> react very angrily. Uh, Ryan Murphy is one of those very divisive figures. You either love, 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 love him, or you are like, why does this man keep getting work? Um, I think in limit, very limited doses, again, I have to binge watch. He's fun. He's fun. And I do appreciate how he consistently gives work to um, individuals who are, have historically been marginalized in Hollywood. He uh, he is very supportive of people of color, of uh, people with disabilities. Um, and I think that's great. And I think that's one of the nice things you can say about Ryan Murphy. Um, the writing. Uh, yeah, the writing gets out of hand. So what, I, what is frustrating is oftentimes there's a good core idea and then he just throws everything at the wall way too fast in a, a really confusing way. <laughs> and I I question the taste level. I question the writing. But there's enough good stuff happening right now in Apocalypse where I'm, uh, I'm going to keep watching. Billy Eichner is a good actor question mark I think he is he's he's very compelling at least on screen at least so far um and yeah I've kind of I've I've always been a fan of Billy Eichner I know some people have an issue with Billy on the street uh, and how he like yells at people and gets in their personal space I understand that I understand all those concerns I don't know I if I I get his humor and I think he's very funny and it's been interesting to see the evolution of his career. And I never saw The Lion King, but I heard he was the best part of it um, as Timon. So, listen, anytime you can steal a movie from Beyonce, wow, Billy Eichner. Good on you, son. That's great. What are you guys watching? What are you reading? What are you uh, watching right now? Oh, I guess I should mention this, too, because some of you may want to check this out or try it. I officially started The Artist's Way because that's, you know, obligatory. I, I'm a writer living in New York. Eventually, you have to do The Artist's Way. If you don't know what The Artist's Way is, um, it's a book that every single artist at some point will recommend you try. Um, it is written by Julia Cameron and essentially what it is, it's a workbook and it forces you to write morning pages every morning. And then it also challenges you once a week to go out there and have an artist experience. So like go to a museum or go see like an indie film, but like by yourself and process art on your own. And I liked actually that part of the challenge appealed to me the most because I'm like, hey, I'm paying um, a limb every month to live in this city. I might as well take advantage of the fact that I'm in the artistic capital of the world. Do we still have that title? I don't know. Um, but I'm like, let me let me go see New York. So I started that today. I'll let you know how it goes. And yeah, have you tried the artist's way? 
Hashtag light trees and pod. What do you think? I don't know. Is it a scam? Am I in a cult now? I don't know. Guys, on that note, on maybe me being in a cult, here's your bad news. Oh man, where do I even start? Listen, I know I say this every week where I'm like, there's a new uh, administration ending scandal every single day, but I especially mean it for this past week. Because if you even paid attention to the news a little bit, you got a sense of how fucking chaotic it's been. This news cycle was a hurricane. So I guess let's just start with uh, Trump pressuring Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 election. Um, We talked about that a little bit last week when Eric was on the show. There had been these allegations and we got into a discussion about uh, (laughs) what what constitutes treason. And uh, obviously the detail that was most important was did Trump offer the Ukrainian president something in exchange for information on Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son. And we also talked about the very shady history of Hunter Biden and the Bidens in general. And um, the fact that this is very bad for Joe Biden, too. Um, But anyway, so the update to the story is that the White uh, White House officials tried to cover it up according to a whistleblower's complaint, which was real revealed on Thursday, very detailed complaint uh, about um, these officials who were so disturbed by this call Trump had with Zelensky that they began discussing with administration lawyers how to handle it because of the likelihood that they had witnessed the president abuse his office for personal gain. So the whistleblower alleges officials moved to lock down the transcript of the conversation, transferring records of it to code work code word protected servers that handle classified national security secrets. Uh, And the whistleblower wrote, this set of actions underscored to me that the White House officials understood the gravity of what had transpired in the call. The complaint also says White House officials told the whistleblower that this wasn't the first time (laughs) that a transcript of a talk between Trump and a world leader had been placed into classified system for the purpose of protecting politically sensitive information. Um, so the update to that update is that the other times this happened were with, and I know this will shock everyone, um, were with Putin and a Saudi crown prince. So we can only imagine, like as bad as everything that has come to light has been, how bad that shit is. Because for White House officials to immediately be like, oh, no, no one can ever know that conversation just happened. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to know that it was bad. It was bad. It was probably pro, um, quid pro quo stuff. It was probably Trump, you know, offering them explicitly either access or who knows what for them to rush it into the vault like that. So... This just blows the fuck up. Uh, Twitter's going wild. 
Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the impeachment stuff in the good news section because it is, I do think it counts as good news that finally Pelosi, and let me just stress, we're going to talk about this a little later, but I had said that, like, you know, Nancy Pelosi will never impeach. I still say if it was up to Nancy Pelosi, she would never impeach. I think the grassroots momentum of especially the House Democrats is so overwhelming, the calls for impeachment, that it forced Nancy Pelosi to support impeachment. Nancy Pelosi does not want to get into impeachment. She has made that perfectly clear. But the groundswell was so overwhelming that she she couldn't kick the can down the road anymore. She had to finally say, okay, okay, he's gone too far. <laughs> now he's gone too far. Um, so, th- I'm, But that's also just a credit to House Democrats. That's a credit to some House Democrats, excuse me. That's a credit to people who called their representatives to be like, what the fuck are you doing? What else does he have to do for you to impeach him? So this is just... I mean, we're not in the good news section, but everything's sort of bleeding together. That's just, that should make everybody feel really empowered because I can't stress this enough. Nancy Pelosi does not want to impeach. So another update to the Ukraine story is that three Democratic-led U.S. House of Representatives committees issued subpoenas on Friday, so this just happened, for Secretary of State Mike Pompeo seeking to compel him to hand over documents concerning contacts with the Ukrainian government. Because an update to the story that I didn't mention is the White House released these quote-unquote transcripts that were not transcripts. They were like a summary of what might have happened. They were fan fiction, where they were like, um, here's what I wished had happened. And there were a lot of ellipses, which, uh, spoiler alert, you don't have ellipses in transcripts, you fucking idiots. Because ellipses mean something was said here and we don't want to talk about it right now. Uh, a transcript would would fill in that space. And of course, they have not released transcripts. They've only released this weird summary. So the House Foreign Affairs, Intelligence and Oversight Committee's also scheduled depositions for five State Department officials over the next two weeks. So these next couple weeks are going to be kooky. These included former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, uh, Marie Yovanovitch, Ambassador Kurt Volker, the U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine, Deputy Assistant Secretary George Kent, Counselor Ulrich Breckbull, and Ambassador Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union. The committees announced the subpoenas after the Trump administration missed a Thursday deadline to provide documents and information about contacts with Ukrainian officials. Uh, So, yeah, the next couple weeks, guys, are going to be nuts. Um, And the hits just kept coming this week. Because Trump, (laughs) he's just on a roll. You know what I really feel like this is? I feel like we are watching the third act of a movie about a drug kingpin who has just now completely gone off the rails. And he is like sitting in his living room. His face is covered with cocaine. 
And he's just screaming that nothing bad happened on the phone call with the Ukrainian president. And we're all like, oh, buddy, it's over. But he doesn't know it's over. Part of me feels that way. While another part of me is like, these fucking criminals have faced no ramifications for anything they've ever done, including admitting they sexually assault women. So, and, and girls, because he was buddies with Epstein. So why shouldn't I believe they're going to face ramifications for this? Like I, I, so, I believe so little in the law working against wealthy people that I'm sort of like, okay, he committed treason. What else? You know, like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just too pessimistic, but I'm allowed to be because we're in the bad news section. Leave me alone. So Trump met with the chief executive of the NRA on Friday to discuss his political future. Uh, Mind you, this is on the same day a Senate committee report was released that accused the NRA of being a foreign asset to Russia. It always comes back to Russia. Uh, So Trump met with Wayne LaPierre, our favorite, uh, to discuss possible actions or inactions on gun regulations, according to the New York Times. Sources who spoke to the Times suggested the call may have been less about guns and more about appeasing the president's base. Uh, Shocker. (laughs) Shocker that Trump would make uh, a political calculation instead of a a moral one. Um, So, yeah, unsurprising, but just very illustrative of the priorities of this administration at a time when they are under the most scrutiny. uh, And the president has been accused of being a Russian asset. The NRA has been accused of being a Russian asset. Um, in, In case you missed it, the meeting came the day, the same day a new report by Democrats on the Senate Finance Committee revealed the NRA's deep ties to the Russian government leading up to the 2016 presidential election, because, of course, the Russian government was everywhere in the United States at that time, including trying to get deep into the NRA. Um, And it was at a time when the NRA was super vulnerable. They're in a bunch of legal battles. They're bleeding money, bleeding support. And, you know... That's that's usually when uh, a foreign government, if they're looking for an asset, they look for vulnerable institutions and people like that because they can step in and be like, hey, you need some help, little buddy? They're like, "Uh uh-huh. So at a time when the NRA is under all this scrutiny, Trump's under all this scrutiny, both for having ties to Russia, that they would meet and sort of be like, hey, how can we manipulate the dum-dums, the, gu- the dum-dums who want their boom-booms? How can we manipulate them to mutually benefit us? I don't know. Even if I was a gun nut, I would find that insulting to be like, oh, the president doesn't actually care about the Second Amendment. He just wants my vote, and he knows I like the boom-boom. So he's going to try to act like he cares about the boom boom. So do I want to talk more about bad news? Yes, I do, because this is important. Can we just talk about, I almost put this in the good news section, because anytime uh, a woman, or in this case, a young girl, can 
anger men at this level, I count that as a win. But I want to talk about the misogyny of Greta Thunberg's critics. Esther Wang over at Jezebel wrote a very good article about this. So just to remind everyone, Greta Thunberg is a 16-year-old girl who doesn't want the earth to die. And because of that, a bunch of grown men have started calling her the following things. Uh, A mentally ill Swedish child who is being exploited by her parents and by the international left. That's according to Daily Wire podcast host Michael Knowles. They have called her supporters uh, Gretards and said that Thunberg, who's 16, needs a spanking or a psychological intervention. Uh, That's from John Nolt of Breitbart, who should be immediately added to some kind of list. And uh, a freak, that's from Harry Cherry, who is a conservative journalist. Uh, He immediately apologized because in addition to being a misogynist, he's a coward. Um, And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She has been accused of being manipulated, uh, coerced. Uh, Again, she's not four. She's 16. 16 16-year-olds have opinions. Four-year-olds have opinions. Um, that she's a puppet, that, you know, all of this dumb shit. Meanwhile, if there's a conservative who's 16 spouting uh, opinions, they're like, oh, this is a, a child savant. Let's get him on Fox News. Give him a column. You know, that's a sign of, of, of intellectual prowess if you have an opinion that young. Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro, who's criticized Greta Thunberg, like started being an asshole at 14 and people were like, this is amazing. We got to get this kid a microphone. But because Greta Thunberg's uh, a lady, a woman, a girl, and she's on the left, she must be a puppet. She can't actually believe these things. So again, the reason I almost put this in the good news section is because Greta's had such, I mean, she has these men in their feelings, which shows that she's effective, right? Um, To see a young girl being empowered, having this platform, stirring hundreds of thousands of people into action is really upsetting these men. And that's good. But I still think we need to put this in the bad news section because the misogyny is so rampant. And also, this is a 16-year-old girl. And while she seems like she's handling it fine, who the hell knows? You know, like, none of us know Greta. (laughs) Do you know Greta? If you know Greta, please tell me. Because I'd love to have her on the show. Uh, I'm a fan. I stan. Um, And toxic masculinity is bad. It's very bad. And the vitriol and the level of vitriol that's being leveled at this girl is scary. And again, and I can't stress this enough, she just wants the planet not to burn. That's the radical demand Greta's made. But that simple demand shakes the foundation of our economy at its core. You know, to have someone basically say, capitalism is killing the planet and we need to abolish it in order to save the planet 
upsets people profoundly. <laughs> and this is an example of it. Why else would they go after a, a, a little girl this way? It's really, it's pathological. It's frightening. It's upsetting. But it's also very telling. Like, anytime a, a girl or a woman has an opinion in public and states her beliefs assertively, it scares men. And the only reason it scares them is because they've been conditioned to fear empowered women. It frightens them. It it makes them question their place in the world and their own identities. And every time they have screaming hysterical fits like this in public, they just show their own asses. You know, it's like, we, we know why you're afraid. <laughs> A woman's had an opinion near you. Oh, no. Um, yeah, but Greta's, Greta's amazing. And I'm so excited to see her, what she like goes on to do, you know, because again, she's 16. So she has her entire life ahead of her. And her whole generation is so exciting because they're the most informed, the most connected. They care the most about climate change because it's their futures at stake. I mean, it's all of our futures, but especially theirs because they've barely started to live their lives and the planet is fucked. The economy is fucked. Everybody's in debt and they know the whole system's rigged. No one has a more clear perspective of that than they do. They've seen their parents lose their houses and their jobs and they know there's no jobs for them and they know they're never going to own a house and they're just buried in student debt and they're seeing the planet get hotter and hotter and hotter and, and change in frightening ways and they know it's now or never. Greta Thunberg's sense of urgency should be our baseline. We should all start there. Anybody who thinks she's exaggerating or anything like that is just lying to themselves or, or being intellectually disingenuous. Greta gets it. Um, and yeah, I guess on that note, on the note of Greta getting it, here is your good news. Another judge handed Trump his own ass. So I saw this story truly seconds before I started recording. A U.S. judge, another judge, uh, poor Trump, just can't get past the courts. A U.S. judge on Friday blocked a Trump administration rule that sought to detain migrant families indefinitely saying it was inconsistent with a 1997 court settlement that governs conditions for migrant children in U.S. custody. So in this 1997 settlement agreement, which originated in 1985 with a complaint brought on behalf of a 15-year-old Salvadoran immigrant, Jenny Flores, set standards for humane treatment of children in detention and ordered their prompt release in most cases. Yeah, go figure. Maybe we shouldn't keep the babies in cages. I don't know. Is that wild? Oh, 1985. I never thought I would pine for you. So the Trump administration has hoped a new rule issued on August 23rd would supersede that settlement, but turns out, uh-oh, precedent matters in the law. So Judge Dali Gee, what a great name, Dali Gee, 
wrote in her ruling, this regulation is inconsistent with one of the primary goals of the Flores Agreement, which is to instate a general policy favoring release and expeditiously placing minors in the release in the least restrictive setting appropriate to the minor's age and special needs. Uh, so yeah, good news with uh, Judge Dali and another blow to the Trump administration, which, oh man, how much does the Trump administration hate the courts? I mean, other than, of course, all of the conservative judges they have appointed all over the country. We're in the good news section. Don't spiral. Don't spiral. Also in the good news section, I wanted to talk about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's new Adjust Society proposal. Um, because it is, she is really, really gifted at making big, ambitious shifts in our society seem very uh, easy to understand and manageable. She's a good communicator. So she first showed this with uh, the Green New Deal framework. It, which was a, a big, ambitious thing that a lot of people could very easily understand. On Wednesday, she unveiled a Justice Society, which is a six-part bundle of bills and resolutions that focus on reducing economic inequality, making housing more accessible and affordable, and protecting the most vulnerable members of American life through the kinds of basic social supports that everyone deserves. So Ocasio-Cortez put out this video introducing the legislation, and in it she said, In a modern, moral, and wealthy society, no person should be too poor to live. That's what a just society means to me. It's a really simple message, but it's really, really effective. And sadly, it feels really, really revolutionary at this moment in time in the United States when the GOP have just been tirelessly stripping away at the safety net and you know we have these milk toast democrats giving away mostly everything that liberals have fought for decades for so ashley reese over at jezebel has a breakdown of it um the individual proposals are uh the recognizing poverty act will update the national poverty guidelines to include factors such as the geographic cost of living. <laughs> like, like the fact that these are new ideas. Geographic cost of living, the price of health insurance, childcare, and internet access. This is why we need to elect millennials. Um, the Place to Prosper Act creates national rent control. Ooh, that is gorgeous words to this New Yorker's ears. With a 3% cap on annual rent increases, a national legal fund for renters who are facing eviction and seeks to penalize predatory landlords. They're everywhere in New York. The Mercy and Reentry Act ends federal benefits discrimination against formerly incarcerated people. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez said, we know that poverty is one of the leading causes of recidivism. The only way that we can sex successfully re reintegrate people into society is by making sure that the safety net can apply to them too. The Embrace Act extends public benefits to undocumented people. The Uplift Our Workers Act creates what Ocasio-Cortez calls a worker-friendly score similar to LEED certification for federal contractors. 
The government is encouraged to work with contractors with higher with high worker-friendly scores, which are based on metrics such as union membership, paid family leave, health care, and other benefits. Uh, ratify the UN Convention on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights is a Senate directive to join 170 international parties in ratifying the UN uh, covenant that vows to follow a modern set of human rights standards. So see what I mean? Very simple to understand, but so revolutionary, sadly, but also so exciting that we have somebody like this in the House who who does have a lot of support, who, who has a partnership with other representatives. And I just love how radical she's thinking. So I put that in the good news section. Also in good news, let's continue to laugh at Bill Cosby. So Cosby, in case you have not been keeping track, has nearly completed a full year of his three to 10 year prison sentence, again, Let's refresh our memories for drugging and sexually assaulting former Temple University employee Andrea Constant in 2004. Uh, but an update to the story is he's super broke. So he currently owes his lawyers uh, $2.75 million. Uh, the AP reports that Cosby was initially hit with a $9 million bill from firm... Quinn Emanuel Urquhart and Sullivan, which he challenged earlier this year, that was brought down to six point seven million. Cosby paid two million, as and his insurer AIG paid two point three two point three million. Uh, and Cosby claims the remainder of the bill is egregious, but on Friday a judge ruled the convicted actor had to pay up. So I'm putting this in the good news section because um rapist should face consequences and he is and he broke and it's very funny and I'm gonna laugh about it also in the good news section I wanted to shout out uh, Chipotle workers who walked out over a labor complaint in New York City uh, on Tuesday uh, and the complaints are over labor violations the service employees international union 32BJ said that more than 20 Chipotle restaurants in the city are facing complaints about last-minute scheduling. That's a big thing in the service industry. Starbucks got in trouble for it uh, a few years ago, I think. But oftentimes, you will think you have a set schedule. You think, great, I don't need to get a babysitter for my kid. And then, uh-oh, your manager calls you very last minute and says, uh, Tina didn't come in today. You need to come in. And you're like, but my schedule didn't say. And they were like, well, I just changed your schedule, so you have to come in. And that's fucking bad because now I ha now you got to find a babysitter. Um, it it's real bad. Especially if you don't live in the city and, like, you don't have access to a car. What the fuck am I supposed to do? So they were protesting in Greenwich Village and they were chanting, keep your tacos, keep your bowls, pay your workers what they're owed. A part-time worker, Carlos Hernandez, said he didn't, tr he didn't trust management at the company. He told the New York Daily News, right now we're fighting for our rights as Chipotle workers. I honestly don't believe the management shows the employees respect. They just don't want to give us the hours. They don't want to give us the money. So this is another thing. When you pay workers hourly and then you don't give them enough hours, they can't survive. Um, unless you raise that minimum wage, baby. 
Earlier this month, the city's Department of Consumer and Worker Protection sued Chipotle over city law about giving workers a two-week advance notice about their work schedules and being entitled to extra pay for schedule changes at the last minute. Um, So 32BJ President Kyle Bragg said in a statement, when fast food companies violate these provisions, workers lack the advance notice they need to plan other responsibilities, such as second jobs, doctor's appointments, or child care. So, uh, fuck you, Chipotle. Don't treat your workers like shit, you motherfuckers. So, and finally, and I said we would get to it. Here we are. Nancy Pelosi finally announced formal impeachment, a formal impeachment inquiry against Trump. Oh, boy, she finally did it. And all it took was literally everything. (sighs) She said that the House is going to move forward with a formal impeachment inquiry. Uh, She gave this speech Tuesday evening. She said that Trump's presidency has shown a betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of her national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. No fucking shit, Nancy. Where have you been? I just want to say, though, for everybody out there who's like, why do we vote? It doesn't even fucking matter. Can you imagine right now if the Democrats didn't have the House, if the Republicans had the Senate and the House? Oh, my God. Um, At the very least, the House can move forward with an impeachment inquiry. Of course, the Senate in all likelihood will reject it. But a lot of good can still come out of an impeachment inquiry. Historically speaking, what we've seen happen when impeachment inquiries even go forward for a a presidency, that presidency is irreparably damaged. Uh, It loses public will, public approval. Um, Essentially, they become lame duck presidencies. I don't know what the people who are saying this could potentially make Trump even more powerful are talking about. Uh, Historically speaking, there's no upside to an administration uh, suffering an impeachment inquiry. It it really, really damages them. Even if the impeachment doesn't ultimately remove them from office, they never recover from it. So this is a good thing. I I think it's very good. I think Pelosi constantly saying it will be divisive just illustrates what a bubble she's living in. We are already divided. We are already a divided country. If you support Trump right now, this will not change your opinion, right? Like, you've already stuck with him this far. You have fully drank the Kool-Aid. You are in a cult. (laughs) Nothing's going to change your opinion, right? And all Pelosi refusing up until this point to impeach accomplished was fostering resentment from liberals who saw her as, I mean, accurately, as being a shell, as, as being one of those moderate Democrats who have been such a fucking thorn in our side, not fucking doing anything uh, in the House. So yeah, I I count this as good news, but again, it is only happening because so much pressure was being put on Nancy that she had no other option. Everybody's saying Nancy 2020 needs to shut the fuck up. (laughs) Nancy Pelosi is horrible. She is like a symbol of, of a corporate Democrat sell out 
moderate Democrat, whatever you want to call them. She's part of the problem. Um, anytime she does anything good, it's because people who are further left to her from her have forced her to do it. And truly, though, that's because uh, Democrats won the House and we have a lot of like very young, exciting particularly the women of color in the the house now, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, of course, being one of them. But um, Ilhan Omar, you know, like really, really powerful women who have good values, who had a lot of support, and who are symbols of how this country is changing, I think, for the good. And they are fighting (laughs) against the Nancy Pelosi's in the Senate who are in the Congress who would like things to remain the same. Now is not the time to be moderate, Nancy. That time is gone. We have a radical fascist in the White House who is a traitor who should be removed from office. At the very least, he should be challenged in this way. So this is good news, I say. Guys, what were your thoughts about literally anything I said today. Hashtag light trees and pod. <clears throat> Love hearing back from you. Uh, for example, last week, I apparently said hotness is a scam. And someone tweeted me that quote. And I laughed very hard because I forgot, A, I said it. Um, but yeah, we. I, I love hearing what you guys loved. What are your favorite parts of the show? Do you have any questions? Do you have recommendations? Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. If you're not on Twitter because you're a healthy, well-adjusted human being, and you're also not on Facebook, and you're also not on Instagram, email lighttreesandnews at gmail.com. If you're a Patreon supporter of mine, $5 or higher, you can send questions. Just put them in the comment section of the questions post on Patreon. And yeah, thank you so much for the support. Um, Yeah, like I said, if you... Also, I also take... I realize I always say I want recommendations for like what you're listening to or reading or watching, but also recommendations about news items. Sometimes people tweet me and they're like, this is a good news story. And I'm like, oh yeah, it is. I'm going to put that in the old browser. Um, But yeah, always love hearing from you guys. Uh, Did I need to promote anything else? I don't think so. We can end this a few minutes early to get you going on your weekend. But yeah, always love hearing back from you. Thank you for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.